This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. Our scripture reading is based from the book of Leviticus, chapter 4, verse 31. If you have your Bibles with you, whatever media you get your scriptures from, or you can read along. He must remove all of the fat in the same way the fat is removed from the friendship offering. He must burn it on the altar. It gives a smell that is pleasant to the Lord. When the priest burns the offering... He will pay for the sin of that person, and he will be forgiven. And the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 13. You are God's chosen people. You are holy and dearly loved. So put on tender mercy and kindness as if they were your clothes. Don't be proud. Be gentle and patient. Put up with each other. Forgive the things you're holding against one another. Forgive just as the Lord forgave you. Good morning, church. I'm uh, Pastor Brad Bergfalk. I'm the transition lead pastor here at, at, uh, I was just about to say Pine Lake Covenant Church, but that's in Sammamish, Washington. This is Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, and I am delighted that you're here to join us uh, this morning. And uh, we just came off a, a leadership and a staff retreat for the last two and a half days that uh, the, the leaders spent that time praying, uh, listening to God, trying to discern what God might want to do through Community Covenant Church in 2013. And I got to tell you, as a, as a preview, I am really excited about what uh, God has planned for us. If, if the enthusiasm that the leadership had and some of the directions that we are, are about to embark on or, or go deeper in as a congregation uh, happens, uh, you'll notice, and I hope you can share some of that excitement. You'll, you'll see us roll some of that vision out to you over the next few weeks, and when you do, uh, we, we hope you will be able to get on board and join us in this, uh, this ministry that God has given to us this, uh, here at Community Covenant. As you know, we're right in the midst of a sermon series now that we call Family Matters, and the reason we call it Family Matters is because families matter. Not only to us and our families, but they matter to God. And so we're trying to spend the first few weeks of this uh, new year addressing some pretty practical issues related to life in, in families or, or life in this world, for that matter, because it, you don't really have to have uh, a family to have to deal with some of the issues. For example, the, the topic for today that we're going to be looking at is the topic of forgiveness. Uh, it, it really becomes necessary to learn how to practice this when you're in a family, but it's not required that you're in a family. In fact, you, you have opportunities to uh, practice forgiveness all the time. There are three words that I think will be the most difficult words that you will ever say in your life. And you already know what they are. The words are, I forgive you. You see... We can talk about it, forgiveness, about forgiving somebody. We, we can write about it. We can, we can point to others that they should be doing more of it, right? 
But we often find it difficult to put forgiveness into practice in our own lives, in our own marriages, in our own relationships. You see, on its own, forgiveness or, or saying, I forgive you, is not difficult for us to understand. We, we don't have to spend a lot of time getting a dictionary out in order to, to understand the meaning of these words. And when you put them together, it's not, not even that difficult either. But these three small words have the power to change our circumstances. It's incredible. Where, where once we thought there was absolutely no hope in a relationship we had, these three words whispered on the lips of another bring restoration and bring relationship back where we thought it was lost. I forgive you. Even as I hear myself speaking these words on my lips right now, the, the, the power of these words is not in the fact that I can say them. The power of these words is when I direct them to someone whose heart cries out in our lives to hear them. I forgive you. Well, perhaps, uh, perhaps the person in your life that needs to hear you say that is a spouse. And, and I know that there are a lot of tough situations out there. And I, 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 I want to be clear that uh, even though I'm describing this very hard concept of forgiveness, and there are a lot of reasons why it's hard to forgive the people who we love the most, that it doesn't change anything about the nature of forgiveness. Now, it could change the way we, decisions we make in relationship to the people who have hurt us. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But at its core... Until we understand the significance of, of, of these three words, we are going to have a much rougher sled in our, in our life and in our families and in our relationships. Perhaps there's a child in our family that needs to hear these words. Perhaps a coworker. It doesn't matter because every time, every time we speak these, these sacred words, we speak grace into the lives of those who need it most. Every time we speak these, these, these three short words, there is a moment in time, there's a moment in time that when something was wrong with the world can now be made right. Well, you know, being on the, on the receiving end of forgiveness is... It's kind of like being told that you've won the lottery. You know, even though you don't deserve it, forgiveness changes everything. Anybody here win, win the lottery recently? Okay. Maybe. If, if you do, you'll know what I'm talking about. And even though we don't ask for it sometimes, forgiveness often opens up a path to a new future, one, one that, is, that is different from the path that we have been traveling on up until now. When my children were very young, and I have three kids, one of them often came crying to their mother or their father. And uh, it, it, now that I re reflect upon it, it, ha it happened pretty often. And they would often be crying because one of their siblings had hurt them. 
and you know, again, it was a daily, multiple times a day. And after we, we, their mother and I, discovered the extent of their transgression against their sibling, we would uh, bring the child who had been hurt to the child who had perpetrated the sin, right? The transgressor. And, and we brought them into each other's presence and we asked the perpetrator gently, the one who had hurt his sibling, is there anything that you would like to say to your sister or brother? And there would be this long pause. And, and this would be the cue where the, where the, the perpetrator uh, would look down at their shoes and they would look around and, and their lip would begin to quiver a little bit. And they would say, I'm sorry. And we would say, is there anything else, is there anything else that you would like to say? And a tear at that point would, would often glisten on their rims of their eyes. And they would say in even, even more hushed tones, will you forgive me? At this point, now that the transgressor, the, the perpetrator of the, of the sin had taken responsibility for their sin, we would turn to the victim of this transgression, whatever it may be. You know, they knocked over their Legos. Uh, they threw my daughter's doll across her, whatever. And we would turn to the one who had been the victim and we would say, is there anything that you would like to say? At which they would say in equally muted tones, I will forgive you. I forgive you. Oh, these words. These, these most difficult words spoken between brother and sister or brother and brother or, or husband and wife. These words that are spoken that bring healing in the midst of pain between parent and child, between co-worker and, and co-worker. I forgive you. I forgive you. And at the sound of these words, every time I hear them spoken to me, there is a sense of hope. There's a sense of joy. There is the chance for a new beginning. Well, the text that we read a moment ago from the the book of Leviticus really is a, an extended instruction, and there are all kinds of places in Leviticus we could have extracted this, uh, this idea. But we read the instructions to the people of God on how to deal with forgiveness and reconciliation between God and humans. And, and what they did back then was that the people would often commit the sin, no different than today, right? And once a year, once a year, they would gather at the temple and the priest would symbolically place the sin offering of the people uh, on the sacrificial animal. And the animal is either sent into the wilderness where it will go out and be eaten by a predator or it will just die from the elements. Or they will actually burn that animal. It's placed on the altar and it is burned by fire. And once a year, the scent of, of that smoke rises from that sacrificial altar. And when the smoke reaches the nostrils of God, 
It's pleasing to God. And, And the priest declares to all of the people who are present, you are forgiven for another year. Next year, same time, same place, the people gather yet again and they go through the motions of this sacrificial uh, system that they had become accustomed to. And even though this seems a little strange, a little odd for us, if you think about it, it, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? There's, there's, some, there's some rationale that, is, that can be seen in, in this act, this symbol On an annual basis, the people of God, no matter how severe the sin of their year may have been, they were forgiven. They they were given a new chance, a new opportunity, a new beginning. Now, after generation upon generation of people had their sins dealt with in this sacrificial manner, God had a better idea. What if there was a way for the people to be forgiven without going through the motions of of sin sacrifice year after year? What if? What if there was another way to absolve the transgressor of their sins once and for all? And of course we know the rest of the story. A son is born. A child who will be called Christ the Lord, and who in time, that Son of God, becomes the sacrifice that will once and for all absolve the people of God so that they no longer have to return to the temple year after year and sacrifice their prized animals to appease God and to receive forgiveness. And you know, when a forgiven sinner has received forgiveness from God, both then and now, the assumption is that the same forgiven sinner would extend the same forgiveness to those who have sinned against them. And that leads us to Paul, Paul's comment in Colossians, where, where he says this, forgive the things that you are holding against one another. Forgive just as the Lord forgave you. You see now, see what's going on here. Now, instead of the priest holding all of the cards uh, in giving and, and receiving forgiveness, the sacrifice of Jesus makes it possible for those who believe to give and receive forgiveness without waiting another year. Now, instead of of collecting our our laundry lists of sins over the course of a year and presenting them to the priest in hope that God will find favor with us in spite of ourselves, now we receive forgiveness from God once and for all time because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. I I want that to sink in for a minute. Because I have a hunch that there are people here who are still living by the sacrificial system, whether you knew it or not. Oh man, God could never forgive me for what I've done in my life. There is no way. As far as I can tell, folks, as far as I can see, church, 
There is nothing that you have done, are doing, or could possibly do in the future that exempts you from the faithfulness of Christ whose sacrifice makes it possible for you and I to receive the forgiveness of God. It's these small words that have the power on the lips of Jesus and on our own lips as we speak them to those we love to transform our lives. And those words are, you know what they are, why don't you say them with me? I forgive you. That was a little tepid. Let's try it again, okay? I forgive you. Yes. Yes. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. There's always a problem. We can get get the forgiveness by saying that, but you can't get to forgiveness without it costing you something. Sure, God took care of the hard part as far as the annual trip to the temple was concerned, but there is still a price to be paid for those of us who choose to forgive. There is still a price. There is still a cost. To, to be put in a position where we are asked to forgive often means that we've been hurt. I know that. We have been the object of somebody else's transgression against us, knowingly or unknowingly. And sometimes that, that, that sinful act is, is easy to kind of sweep off with a wave of our hand and say, oh, don't worry about it, no big deal. Right? We, we do that all the time. And in a certain way, that is an act of forgiveness. But sometimes that transgression stings us to the core of who we are and we can't easily forget the pain and the suffering that we have felt as a result of of somebody else's choices. It's true. It's true. Forgiveness always costs us something. It it costs us our pride. It costs us our our need to remember. You, You know what I'm talking about? It costs us our desire to keep track. Forgiveness means that we are willing to to absorb the pain of another sin, absorb the pain of another sin, because God has done exactly the same for us. And to those of you who are here today who are married, I want to say to you that your marriage without forgiveness is only a shadow of what it could be. So please, capture, capture a vision for, for this concept in your marriage if you want to take your marriage to, to a different level. For those of you who want to be married someday, if you haven't figured out how to do this forgiveness thing in relationships to your unmarried friends, whoever they may be, then don't try it in marriage because it's way harder. And for those of you who are no longer married and you're still wondering and scratching your head, you know, what happened? I suspect that that forgiveness or, or lack thereof somehow had something to do with it. And again, I, I know that there are certain situations that even though you offer forgiveness, you still need to you need to get yourself out of that relationship. I get that. Forgiveness always, always 
costs us something. And as Paul says in Colossians, even as we have been forgiven, then we too must forgive. My wife Roxy and I, we sat across the table from one another in a Mexican restaurant in Bridgeport, Connecticut. We had been married about seven years and things were not going well in our relationship. The, the shine of our early married life had, had worn off. The, the pressure of, of raising our three small children was consuming us. I was a young pastor trying to get it right all the time. My, my wife was working. We were raising kids. It was just crazy. And the last seven years of our lives we had spent uh, in, in, in pursuit of our, our, our success, whatever that might be, raising our family, and even sometimes tripping each other in the process. Uh, and, and all of that had resulted in the recognition at this moment in this Mexican restaurant in Bridgeport Connected. If we didn't choose to do something different from this moment on, we were headed down a track that neither of us desired to be on. And we, we looked at each other across the table. And as my memory serves me, it was one of the few times we had actually looked at each other in the eye in a long, long time. I don't know how that happens in married life. And one of us said to the other, I, I think I still love you, but I don't really like you. You know that feeling? I, I think I still love you, but... I don't really want to be your friend. There were tears. There, there were tears. There was tears on both of our parts. There was, there was sorrow. These were not tears that cleanse, but these were bitter tears. What had we become? How, how did we get here? How, where are we going? Could, could Roxy and I ever muster the courage to forgive one another of our petty sins so that we could have a different outcome than the one that we were afraid of. Both of us knew at that moment that if we continued to, to travel on the path that we were walking on, the outcome was not going to be pretty. And that was a wake-up call for us. It was for me. We didn't figure it all out there as we sat and ate our chips and salsa. And as every time the, uh, the waiter came by, we tried to convince him that we were crying because the salsa was so hot and not because of what I've just described to you. But our hearts were breaking. And both of us knew at that moment that we had to do something. And to offer forgiveness to another person in your life is to release them from the hurt and the grip of our pain. And that's one of the things that we needed to do. You see, because when we know real forgiveness, the sting doesn't hurt as much. It still hurts. Don't misunderstand me. It still hurts. And you carry it with you a long time, but it doesn't hurt as much. When we offer forgiveness to one another, we release the one who hurt us from the grip of our pain. So what's the point? All this talk about forgiveness, these three most difficult words that we will ever speak, 
Why forgiveness? Can't, can't we just go on living our life in our own merry way, sort of absorbing the pain and, and accumulating, you know, reasons why we can have black marks against people who do things uh, that we don't like? Well, you, you can. You can choose to live like that. And, and I suspect there are some people here who have carried the pain of uh, a lot of stuff that's gone under the uh, bridge of your life. And you're sitting here going, man, if I started releasing all that pain, um, it would take me years. Yes, it will. You're right. We can just keep going along, holding on to all our hurt. But I want to... I wanna present a vision to you today of, of another way that we can go. We can actually begin to forgive. And sometimes when we do that, it feels like we're giving the other person a free pass so that they can just come back and hurt us again. I, I know. But forgiveness leads to a renewed relationship that ultimately, if we do it enough, allows us to kind of move on with our lives, to get on with our lives. So here's the point. In, in this relational connection where two people offer and receive forgiveness from one another, the, the, the big theological word that we often use to describe this is called reconciliation. You don't have to remember that. It's about relational connection. This relational connection that I'm describing to you right now is a picture of the kind of relational connection that God wants to have with us. It is a picture of the kind of forgiveness that Jesus offers us every day we mess up. Thanks be to God. Yeah, forgiveness uh, costs something. Forgiveness is, is hard to do when we've got so much invested in our relationships that we can't just blow it off with a wave of our hand. Yeah, forgiveness sometimes hurts a lot. Can you think of a better option? To forgive another doesn't mean that we have to forget the depth of our pain. It simply means that we have released it into the hands of of the one who has the power to heal us. And to whom? And to whom do we release our pain to experience this, this extraordinary forgiveness that I've been talking about? To whom? You already know. We release it to Jesus. Jesus is God's answer to, to the problem of our pain and our suffering. Jesus is, is the once and for all sacrifice that ends the era of the, of the annual sacrifice where the priest pronounces us forgiven until this time next year. Jesus is the one who, who looks at our scorecard and, and our lives and he says, Yeah, yeah, okay. Sure, yeah, they're all covered. Jesus is the one whose faithfulness we proclaim every time we utter these three words to one another and to the people that we love the most. And those three words are this, I 
forgive you. So, as we come to the table today, it is fitting, really. Because this, this celebration of the Lord's Supper is really an opportunity for us to not only have a visual representation to the extent to which Jesus offers us this forgiveness, which is a good reason to celebrate, by the way. But it also reminds us that wherever we've come from, however far we've been from God, whatever transgressions we have committed in our life, whether it's throwing our brother or sister's doll across the room or we have significantly betrayed a loved one, it doesn't matter. It all begins again at the foot of the cross. So I don't know where you are today, and I don't know whether this concept is one that is way too hard for you to get your head around, or even in small bites, you can think of a person in your life right now that you need to extend and receive forgiveness from. But I want to encourage you. I want to, I want to, uh, to ask you to consider taking the next step in whatever relationship you find yourself in where you need to both receive and or extend the forgiveness of God. In a moment, we're going to come to the table. We do so not because we've got it all figured out, not because we're spiritual giants, not because uh, we want to impress everybody around us by, by how diligent and faithful we are. We come to the table today because each and every one of us who sit here today, and I don't even need to know all of you, uh, need it. And God offers it, and far be it from me to stand in the way of that. Let's pray together. God, as you have... expressed your love for us in Christ and offer us forgiveness for the laundry list of uh, shortcomings that we carry around with us. Give us the courage to do likewise with those people who we love, who are close, and for those people who are far away. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.